So we've got recording. I think it's Kylie Jenner on here. Okay. Uh, as an option. Let's see. Uh, Maybe a good option. Is this a uh, Mr. Beast? Okay. Tom Brady. Is, okay. Tom Brady. I feel like Taylor Swift was supposed to be one of the options. Let me see. But uh, there's there's 15 in total, I think, including Alvin the alien. I like the alien. Yeah, that I I'll trust the alien. Seems trustable. Bob Bob the robot here kind of gives me vibes of um, Short Circuit, like one of the oh, best yeah. movies from the '80s of all time. Yeah, don't you feel bad for that robot? Bad. You develop feelings. No, no, John. I don't. I mean, Johnny Five is alive. I you can't. Johnny Five. I need to rewatch good. this movie. We were you talking haven't about seen art, that movie, but it's been years. It's been years. Okay. I mean, I would, would I wouldn't be surprised because you're a youngin, but um, I'm a youngin. I'm in, I'm in that cutoff where, um, let's see when like animated movies really took off what late nineties. I know it's before then, but like Pixar was 99, I think with toy story. I think that kind of shifts. Like what shows did you grow up as a kid that you went to blockbuster for? And it wasn't animated, nothing animated, at least for me. So yeah. I think that could, it's like, okay. Then you got stuck watching those for like what I playing for the kids now. Like, Oh, I don't know. Like, do they need to watch all the James Bond movies for like the silhouette music intro? I'd be like, Oh no. But that was, I think we grew up with that. That was, that was usual. But for them, Amanda, what was your childhood uh, media content like? Oh gosh, just some of the classics like Tom and Jerry. Um, was it The Roadrunner? Oh. You know, like okay, yeah, like that the weekend. Classic. Like that funny, is classic stuff like that. I mean, that's like going way back. But The Simpsons, I get yeah. The Simpsons were on there. Huh? I mean, I grew up. I remember memories of like Seinfeld was on all the time, like all the time. Seinfeld is like Seinfeld, Frasier. It's like the same order. And you just knew what it was going to be on. Apparently, there's a new Frasier show. Oh, it can't be That's, good. Uh, there's no, like, no, same, same no relaunch. Or same lead, anyway. Oh, man. It's probably not the same. We should, we should go ahead and start the show. You should. Let's do that. Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 308. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me today is Andrew Peake and Amanda Martin. Hello. And Amanda Excited. claims she's never been on the podcast yeah. before. I've never I don't been know on how the this podcast. is possible. I don't either, but here we are. <laughs> I I don't believe that, but Amanda, you would know, like if yeah. you were on here before. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. You have to believe you. It's, it's your truth. How long yeah. have you been on the team now? Oh man, about four and a half years, right at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. I, 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 I don't believe like, that yeah, either. The reason the, my memory, and this might've just been like a team call yeah. uh, that we were on, but I just remember giving you a semi hard time, but it must've just been like, <laughs> hot seat questions when you first joined anyway yeah. sorry we should we should have had you on oh, uh, okay. tell everyone what you, what do you do here yeah for those who may not know <laughs> i'm an online sales coach with jen and jesse and i help you know everything with online sales um coaching new oscs and existing oscs and just ramping them up for success helping with onboarding all the good things i love it it's, it's yeah. so great <laughs> Helping out with online sales academy, oh, uh, yeah. leading sessions at the at the Do You Convert online sales and marketing summit, doing all the things. So yes, that's why I just all can't, the things. 
Love it. Well, now, <laughs> sorry, Jen, you're yeah. just going to have to come on once every quarter or six months because Jesse and Amanda are, are taking over. Taking this <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like you're like an OG because when I started yeah. way back in the day uh, with, with Deconvert, you were with, I believe, Royal Oaks Home. Yes. With Corey. Yes, way with back Corey. in the day, y'all had amazing videos because I feel like yeah. the accents and everything are just so so different, but also like you worked amazingly together. Yeah. Like that's that's going way back. So you've been it in is, sales way back. For, and for you quite were, a few years. You would like make e blast for us like late, late at night, and they would just magically be ready the next day. I remember. Yep. Definitely <laughs> that <was> so Kevin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was but yeah, yeah, that was fun times. So we go yeah. way back. This is fun cool. this is good. <laughs> okay, so uh Amanda, story time. No pressure. Mm -hmm. First yeah. story time in four years. Yeah. From one well, of the best on the team. What do you got for us? <laughs> well, I I do have a story for you and question for you, Kevin. Did you know that yeah. I quoted you in my session at the summit? Oh no. No? You didn't know I, that? I, that well, so that's ways. allowed, first of all, but only yeah. if my my head is not on the image. Like no. there's just something. Okay, no good. images, just well, a quote. What, uh, okay, was it about quote. pancakes or was it actually about selling uh, houses? I should have done pancakes. That would have been good. <laughs> but been. No, no, it wasn't. So it just really stood out to me in one of your Pulse episodes. I even wrote a blog about it. So I don't know if you know, you're famous. Yeah, um, that, but, that's a good hint. Yeah, so <laughs> you said, Kevin, that there's never going to be enough emotional drive or urgency if they don't pick something that there's any fear of loss in. So- yep. Uh, that really just inspired me to talk about selecting one, like part of our mm. process. So um, at the summit, my session was all about, you know, the power of personalization. And part of it, we talked about selecting one and I used your quote and I, re I related that to when I got our second cat. <laughs> so anyways, it was a fun time. So that was my, that was my story. I quoted you. No. Okay, now I have questions for you. Yeah, okay, um, let's hear it. <laughs> I think the perception, maybe misconception about online sales is that getting to one doesn't really matter mm. because you're you're just kind of giving them general information and then you want to get them as quickly as possible to yeah. the onsite team. So talk to me about when when is it necessary to apply personalization? Can yeah. you get go too far in that attempt? Is it, is it even possible to, to go too deep in personalization? What well, do you think? So I think, I think you do have to select one, first of all, um, because, you know, you have to, you have to learn enough about them to be able to recommend something for them. So if you don't, if you don't take the time to fully qualify them and learn their story, you can't select one, but if you've done your job, then you should be able to select one, right? So I think you have to do that. Um, and you, you mean, are, are you, I'm assuming, but I want to clarify, you're talking about yeah. uh, community. You don't necessarily have to get them down to a particular mm -hmm. home. No. But you got to find something to grab You got to find something. Yes, okay. yes. So that they're emotionally invested. Something that's going to be a good fit for them based on what they're looking for. But yeah, community is great. Sometimes you'll get down to a floor plan if that's, you know, a big must have for them. Or you're um, on your lot builder and there's nothing yeah. else to Of course. On. Yes. True. Yes. True. Yes. Yeah. You can't, you can take it a little bit too far, I guess, if you, you know, qualify them out of things. <laughs> you don't want to get that too far, but definitely a good idea to, you know, learn their story and select one so that they do become emotionally invested in it. So, yeah. 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 I love the, your quote. The last, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
the last qualifying or and I'm just an insanely curious yeah. person. So no, I love it. When you were just talking about that, it made yeah. it feel like it's okay for the online salesperson to have an opinion on what's best for the customer based upon what you learn about them, which I'm maybe everyone listening is like, well, duh. Mm-hmm. But again, I know, I know sales managers and on-site salespeople who are like, uh-uh-uh. The online salesperson is just supposed to to absorb and direct the customer on whatever it is they already uh, came in on. And, and I think mm-hmm. to me that mm-hmm. connects to this is an older number. I don't, I actually don't know where we are currently, but I remember doing analysis at Heartland of about one third of the people who came in as a lead for one community ended up becoming an appointment for a different community yeah. after clarification and yeah. personalization was made. So Absolutely. talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, so, so leads, they don't know everything that you have to offer. And that's why the OSC is there to really be able to give that easy button. And that's also why it's great to have, you know, signage numbers go to the OSC. So like a story, you know, I had someone going out that was driving out past the community. They called, they were interested in that, but it completely did not fit what they were looking for at all. And I was able to reroute them to a different community that was a great fit. So you know, just because they show up somewhere or they think they're interested in something doesn't mean that that's the best fit for them. And you're able to provide them with that knowledge because you know all the products, you know. So it's all about uncovering what they're looking for and giving them that easy button and directing them to the right place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the place that people are headed with uh, overly automated systems Mm-hmm. So you're saying, well, if Amanda asks for information about Happy Acres, this is easy. Yeah. I just load up information about Happy Acres and I send it to her in little bursts over multiple different channels. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's dangerous because right. again, just the, the reason that someone reaches out mm-hmm. is not a clear connection to what it is they ultimately will purchase or even what they're most interested in. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that's interesting thought is that at the end of the day, no matter what else is checked off in the CRM, no matter what page it said they came from, mm-hmm. they are a prospect for a home mm-hmm. above and beyond any particular community or floor plan. It's, it's not that it can't inform or shouldn't inform, mm-hmm. but you can't just say, oh, well, they asked for happy acres. I will schedule you an appointment via text in 30 seconds at Happy Acres, because I can I can make that happen. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's why OSCs exist. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just, I can't imagine any automated solution I could build, like the emotional momentum. Mm-hmm. So then that increases the appointment kept ratio that increases, like, it just gets yeah. you along the funnel quicker. Like, imagine you hear Amanda close your eyes and Amanda's like, <laughs> you call, it's like, you know, I think that community you selected, that might be good for you, but we have this other one. And then mm-hmm. you and your great voice, you're talking, talking, and you're like, yeah, 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 let's go, let's go. I want that <laughs> versus reading something on the screen and it's a robot. Yeah. And that has no emotional, like it doesn't create any emotion uh, within yeah. you. Yeah. And even an attempt at fake emotion oftentimes yeah. comes yeah. off worse than no imagine? emotion, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be awkward. Like this is yeah. Yeah, real. I, I, you, I don't know what story you would both use as my example. For me, it's typically like Home Depot. Or Lowe's. Mm-hmm. I like Home Depot. Don't like Lowe's. The, the same. <laughs> Lowe's I only enjoy for their, they have seem to have a better power tool selection generally than Home Depot does or a larger one. But other than that, I agree with More you. Brands. I'm a Home yeah. Depot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 
when someone offers you assistance, you have kind of this built-in thing of, I mean, I really do want, this is internal talk now, Kevin, internal talk. Yeah, yeah I definitely want assistance finding this one size uh, particular special fastener that I need to replace on something in my home. And all I have is the broken one and I have to go line up the right size. And, I'm, and this is obviously a real world example that happened this a while happens. ago, but someone's mm -hmm. like, hey, can I help you? And everything inside of you is like, yes, I want help, but I really doubt you're going to be able to offer the help that I need. Mm -hmm. or just be an expert that I need versus just taking up my time. Like we've all had those experiences where someone's like, oh yeah, I'll try to help you. And then they lead you to like the plumbing section. And you're like, no, bud, like even I know that fasteners are aisle five. So that's where we should go. And so I think there's always this thing that online salespeople and salespeople and even marketers with some of our messaging has to get through is like, the relief that you have as a consumer when you finally talk to an expert, it truly is just the feeling of exhaling. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, Amanda knows her stuff. And that's what I'm saying. It's this fine line between overconfidence, oversimplification. You want this, therefore you go there. Mm -hmm. As soon as you can become a, a, an actual expert and the consumer trusts that, mm -hmm. everything changes, no matter what the emotional state of either party is beforehand. It's like, okay, like I, I could totally be convinced that I don't even need the fastener. I thought I came in with but as a replacement, maybe there's something better, but that person's first going to have to prove to me that they're not just making stuff up. Mm -hmm. And they also have to understand yeah. your story and what you're going to use it for. Otherwise, how can mm -hmm. they make that recommendation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's this weird, um, it's the same thing talking about uh, interest rates right now, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. interest rates at 8%. I don't know if that's, I think we've talked about that enough on other places. We're not going to talk about that in this news, but interest yeah. rates, mortgage rates going to 8%. There's a whole bunch of people saying, don't talk about interest rates. It's not a big deal. Just let the, and, I, and it's kind of like, well, if everyone knows it, I, I don't think you can completely avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. You look, you look crazy not talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like not talking about it or having at least some planned responses for the like common objection or statement. Because again, as a consumer, I would feel it's my job mm -hmm. to to be a good customer and to protect myself in this uh engagement. I would have to be like, you know, we're just a little bit concerned with how high interest rates are right now. Yeah. If a customer didn't say that, that would be weird unless they just know they're paying cash. It's mm -hmm. the same same thing as, again, you go in a retail store, do you need any help? The default reaction to protect yourself is, no, I'm just looking. Mm -hmm. That's just what our job is as, as consumers. Yeah. Andrew? Yeah, um, I had one. I, I think I'm going to shift that over to favorite things. Um, I had mm. it because like literally right before we started, mm. I'm like, I just use this in the example of why I like this piece of software. So I'll save it for favorite <laughs> things because it's more appropriate okay. for that. Um, townhomes. I love townhomes. They're, they're my favorite. They're, <laughs> that's, they're great. Um, I don't, is that, is that true? That's not that's true. true. Um, that's <laughs> not true. Not true at all. Because I think my, that's like my first, if I'd be like, all right, what did I first learn coming to, to DYC? And like, I was like, Kevin, why are townhomes always like the issue? Like it was almost like a bet in my head. Like, all right, I bet this is about a townhome for something struggling in mm -hmm. like 2017, 2018. 
those townhomes. But um, two weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, I had a call with a builder and it was about a townhome product. And I was looking through their photos. It's a coming soon. Um, the price is really nice. You're like, really that price? Like, but it's a little farther out. Um, so there's all these challenges with it. And at the end of the call, it really didn't go the direction I thought it would. But we really uncovered that a lot of their content highlighted the objectives as in they like made the objectives valid against townhomes like unintentionally oh, you, mean, you mean objective objections, um, objections or objectives not, not okay, objectives yeah. my bad yeah. the objections yeah the objections were they were like featuring the objections like what do you hate <laughs> about townhomes they didn't because their photography is so standardized that the way they photograph townhomes is the way they photograph single family homes there was no intentionality as far as like okay cool this is a I only have the product here. Maybe it's 25 feet wide. Maybe. I'm, I mean, it's, our yeah, home is, pretty, is 30 feet. We're on a 40 foot, 40 foot lot. So we're in a 30 foot home. That's pretty so this wide for there. a townhome. So it's 20, 25 feet. But all the photography, the angles were not featuring like depth. Mm. And so then the townhome is small. Like, what do you hate about it? Or what, why would you not choose a townhome? They're small and cramped. Okay. So the photography should feature mostly images that feature like the length of the home. Right. But that's mm. going to be it. You don't what have do you, to document the entire crime scene. Correct. Like, okay. let's make sure it is showing like it feels big and spacious. What do you also not like about townhomes? Home, Privacy. These include a fence in the backyard that are like it cuts off the backyard where I think it's like a 12 foot fence. You could barely see it in the photos as far as like separating you, your back patio from the neighbors. You could barely see it. So I'm like, hey, if, and they featured every, it's like they only needed these big shots of the whole building. This, I think there were six units per, per, per little, per building. And so you saw all six. So you're like, man, that looks really small. It didn't <laughs> focus in on like, hey, here's like the living area of your outdoor living area. Mm -hmm. And it says example after example, after example, in the order of the images, I'm like, if you showed number three versus number one, you might be able to hook them and create, like we talked about with Amanda like enough emotional excitement, like, oh, you know, that actually does look more spacious than I'd expect. Mm -hmm. And then you tie into the fact that like more rural, rural area where this townhome project is being built. I think there's, as you go farther away from like downtown, there's an expectation of land and space. So a townhome close to downtown, they're like, that's perfect for me. You put that 25 miles outside of city center, people are like, mm -hmm. I could get a double wide on 45 acres for 250 K and you're trying to give me 3000 square feet of yard space. If that not even, yeah. and why would I do that? Like, so you're, you're everything they did was the opposite content wise. I'm like, Oh, that's really interesting. I've never looked at photos of townhomes. So like, instead hey, of, I, I guess oh, I want to clarify yeah, that. Like let's clarify. In, in, well, <laughs> instead of instead of knowing that those are the objections is, is your point and then creating content that speaks to them as no, that's not really an, a, a valid objection. You just have a misperception about townhomes. Ours are different. You're saying all the content just affirmed the likely objections. Yes. It didn't because you know, I always talk about smuckers is one of my favorite smuckers with the name like smuckers. It has to be good. It's it, they know the objection would have been when that first became a brand this is a weird sounding company. It sounds like just yeah. smacking your lips. I mean, I, it's just yeah. bizarre. It is. So there's, there's definitely a technique or, or approach of saying, I know what the objection is going to be. I'm going to hit it head on with answers or solutions or, or different viewpoints. You're just saying that was the big miss. 
is a big mess. Yeah, it made it made you go like, well, this is why I don't like townhomes. It's what I gathered from it. And it's like this yeah. builder, they're very process driven, everything standardized. You'd be able to recognize their photos with even at least I can without their mm -hmm. name on it. So, but they're all great. Like they're doing, a, they're doing an amazing job, but the townhomes are photographed the same way as the single families, the buildings are all the same way. And I think that's like the, not the yeah. issue, but it's like, oh, they could probably like, I'm looking at one here. There's, it's a three, three floors and there's four units in the building. And you go like, well, where do I park? Like, it never feels like where's mm -hmm. my home within this. And I think they shouldn't like just focus on the unit versus the entire building as far as the big exterior. Then you leave mm -hmm. the kitchen and it's like, well, this kitchen's actually pretty spacious, but the way they took the photo, you can't see all of the kitchen in the shape. And so it looks like there's one countertop to cut something on. And then one something like cooking, you're like, this looks miserable to cook in. It's mm -hmm. tiny. And so they should have just had different angles on it. And you keep going and going. You're like, yeah. oh, everything they're doing makes us feel like it's a small cramped town home. They really don't want to live in, but you'll have to settle for versus yeah. like, oh, it actually looks like a nice place to live. Look, it has 10 foot ceilings. You have your private outdoor right. space yeah. on there. And so it could be, I guess, if you're struggling with townhomes, which is probably everybody, if you have townhomes, yeah. maybe look at the, look at it in that context. Like, am I reinforcing why people don't actually prefer townhomes first? for the most part, if they're not actually like downtown or a walkable location. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see if there's new content. Yeah. that And th this is true for every community page. Um, one of my pet peeves is certainly community pages where 95% of the images in the photo gallery for the community page are the model home. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, that's not the community. <laughs> But it's even more so true in multifamily settings where if you just had photos of the model versus the community, the walkability, the amenities, and again, the area yeah. around it is the amenities. That's that's why even in I agree. markets like, you know, the broader metro area around Washington, DC, I think we still can be on a on a on a metro line. And that is an important amenity of the community, even if it's not in the community and it's 10 blocks down the street, it's still, so that just is even more critical that you're, because I mean, that's just by default. That's why people are choosing multifamily mostly because of affordability and builders choose multifamily primarily because, I mean, this is what I heard my entire career pretty much is, especially pre NVR. Uh, when, when you're a smaller or even a large private builder and you're just trying to find opportunities on the land side, a piece of land is identified, think it's going to go one way. And then, you know, eighth hour into it, it's like, you know what, this isn't going to work as single family. We're going to have to turn it into multifamily. Yep. Very rarely for, for a builder that's focused on the suburbs, do you, do you target, let's go find more multifamily product. Now there are those who do it. And, you know, that, and that's why the people who do multifamily exclusively, just like builders who do on your lot exclusively are typically way better on your lot. If, if 90% of a builder's portfolio is single family and they just kind of sort of do multifamily, again, that's the other reason why that can be a challenge. Do you think uh, multifamily is going to increase? I want to say substantially, but what does that word even mean? Was that 5, 10, 20, 30, 40%? Do you think it's going to have a larger increase and in, do you think builders will have more multifamily products in the next five years from now compared to say hmm. 10 years ago 
due to affordability and maintaining the margins they want to maintain. I mean, I would think so. And this might like yeah. dumb assumption is like, well, that kind of makes sense. If, I, if they can. I think the reason that my answer is yes, is because land prices again are the main drivers. Yeah. And those don't seem to be improving land prices. I don't, I don't see becoming more affordable anytime soon, even in a, in, even in an economic downturn. Um, so yeah, but yeah. I guess my, the reason it's making me hesitate is, um, single family for rent and even just really dense single family is all, you know, I was just in a home yesterday and it's a single family community that was built 15 years ago mm -hmm. and the homes are traditional single family homes. It's not a zero lot line community. If you're familiar with that terminology, um, there are lot lines, but the houses, gosh, can't be more than eight feet apart. And in were... where I'm from, that's kind of strange, especially for homes that are probably selling in the 500, $800,000 range. Yeah. And you're just like, this is close. Yeah, that's us. We're, we're 10 feet apart. We have five feet on either side. So we're, we're cozy with our neighbors and you could probably, yeah. like, that might've been the minimum we could do with our air, but the older homes, like older homes, right there across the street, like out the backyard, they're on, there's say 50 to 70 foot lots. And so they have quite a bit of room between, between them, but we're twice the size square footage. So they made it work. I mean, they sold barrier. They sold in a heartbeat. That's smaller, much smaller lot sizes. Yeah. <laughs> My, story is about lag times, which that's one of those terms that I just didn't hear a lot about or really fully understand until about 10, 12 years ago. So, I mean, like eight years into my career in home building, and then I was like, okay, I, I'm understanding. But one of the reasons why home building is so hard of an industry is the amount of time that passes between something changing and the result of that change. A real clear example of this is back to land. Builders have to be looking three to five years out and saying, where do I want my communities to be in three to five years, the physical location? Go figure out, is this the right price I should pay for this land? Will people want to live here in five years? And at what price with what product? And they're they're tossing the dart five years into the future in California longer. And so this lag effect is also what we're experiencing right now with interest rates and its impact on the economy. So everyone freaked out. Oh my gosh, interest rates changed and it's going to be a disaster. Turns out the disaster hasn't happened yet. People are still employed. Uh, their you know, wages going up for the most part, people still buying homes. And it's because interest rates, short-term interest rates, which is what the Federal Reserve changes, that typically takes 24 to I think 36 months before the impact of wherever the rate was changed to has effect because that's how long companies are borrowing from the bank at a particular loan and it doesn't have to be renewed for five years. And so they're halfway through that, the rates change and it doesn't really matter. It's one of the reasons the big tech companies right now are still firing all cylinders is they've got a billion dollars or I think in Apple's case, like 20 some billion dollars in cash. And so they're like, cool, interest rates are higher. We don't need your stupid interest rate bank. You just keep it. We've got cash. So lag as a term is just, you know, the delay from making a change to seeing its impact. And it's real. They're all over the place in the world, but especially in our industry. 
And one of the things that I had a conversation with this week with one of our builder partners was a particular struggling neighborhood that we, with the, with them and their team have been, let's say, squirreling away like a squirrel attacking a bird feeder, mm-hmm. uh, trying everything we can to try to make things work. And um, not really a shock. This is one of the things we talked about. It seems like, actually, I'm going to I'm going to get full context here. The the head of um, of sales and marketing made the comment. He said, "You know, my my father made the comment that every time you all seem to focus on a community, things get better." And the joke was like, he he kind of likes to insinuate, like, can't you just do that all the time for all of them? <laughs> Which you know, as the as the marketer perspective is like, can you just make sure the product and pricing is better so that things just work more often and they don't need to, you know, but that's, that's the healthy tension in yeah. the business. Um, so things get better, but what's interesting is one of the takeaways was that the, the getting better was related to the most recent thing. So this weekend, this past week, the number of appointments like tripled or quadrupled to the community. And the connection was, well, it must've been the thing we changed on Friday or Thursday. I was like, we can't, we can't say that we really can't because for the prior 30 days, we had taken the average amount of traffic to that community from like a thousand visitors a month to 14,000. It's a few. few And the, and the concern was, Hey, the, the, the lead and appointment volume isn't correlating to that immediately. So we're not sure if these folks are the highest quality folks. So let's actually change some of the messaging, adjust spend, which the spend was, you know, already very, very healthy, obviously to get to that level. And then it was like, that must be the change that made the difference. And, and I was like, we, what is your average time between uh, website visit to lead, which most people would have a hard time calculating anyway, in this case, the builder actually has, I don't want to go into that right now because it's somewhat proprietary both to us and them, but they have another way of telling um, some of that cycle time. But as an example, one of the other builders we work with just told us yesterday, they did their latest analysis from lead to contract, which everyone in this uh, listening should be able to calculate. Their average cycle time right now is 150 days. 150 days from getting a lead to getting a signed contract. There are reasons why and the type of builder they are that that would be longer. But the point is that is elongating. The Mm -hmm. lag is getting wider. And so just imagine if you're that builder and you get 300 leads in a month where you typically would get a hundred and everyone gets excited and then you don't get sales for, I don't even know what that is. Five months? Yeah. Is that 150 days? Mm-hmm. Five months. So there's 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 potentially four months where everyone's like, those leads were all crap. They weren't worth it. What's going on? It's just really hard if you don't understand the lags that are in the business to make the dots. So one of the things we talked about to try to bring some practical application here besides just understanding the concept and trying to figure out what your lags are in your business is... Privacy changes make all this really tough. Now, their CRM system does a better job than most at identifying uh, source and medium, but it's still not obviously going to be perfect. We know that. And tying it to a particular campaign can be even harder. Mm -hmm. 
one of the best good old fashioned ways to do this is just make have actual start and stop definitions. So there, there's two ways to kind of do this good enough, I would say. One is it would be really scary because this community just took off. But if you turned off all the extra advertising, like cold turkey it on a day, and then watch the lag from when you cold turkeyed it to when does that appointment volume taper off? If it correlates, like if if there's correlation there, then you can at least take some of that. And now you could do that for individual channels. Like if you're concerned that the meta traffic or the Google traffic isn't good, you could just cold turkey one. But again, you're going to have to watch the lag. It's not going to be what happens tomorrow or next week. Yeah. But this this idea of stopping, I'm actually trying to resurface as a really important concept. You know, we talk about sprints, like do a two or three week sprint of, of spend or change in strategy, then stop and see what happens. And I feel like right now the impetus for most people is just keep piling on, just keep doing more. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of problems with that. One, you're not even really analyzing. You're just like more, 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 more. Yeah. And you don't have, stuff. you can't, you can't really tell. Like mm -hmm. if you've, if you've done 10 experiments on one neighborhood and then things get better, you don't know. You're stuck doing those 10 forever. <laughs> Maybe only two. Right. I mean, if you, if you could afford 10. Yeah, you don't you don't have answers. Yeah, I just that that especially for people who aren't trained marketers, you're going to have to help them understand the lag effect. And the I didn't even know really that I was doing this, but but one of the in terms of the lag concept, but I used to tell my salespeople all the time at Heartland, if you tell me the last week of the month that you're freaking out and you're not you're falling behind or you're not going to hit your sales plan, I can't help you. I didn't frame it in the sense of the lag, but I just said, it's too late because it's going to take me two to three weeks to create the traffic, to then have that interest develop for them to then reach out, to get scheduled in for an appointment. It's not going to happen in a week. The only, the only prayer we have of turning people that quickly is basically email and the phone, texting or calling. Yeah. And that's really, someone already in the database. I feel like this really makes the case to be, um, much more proactive and like the marketer we should always like that's kind of obvious everyone should be more proactive good job Andrew. <laughs> no but you're you're absolutely sense. right but like have thresholds of traffic that you monitor per community so you're ahead of the salesperson who's on the last weekend of the month they're stressed about their quota like on the 23rd they're like oh shoot i, I need two more sales this weekend on the 27th 28th of october but if you already knew traffic was low on the 9th because you're like projecting it based on what you're seeing in analytics, like I need to bump that traffic up somehow and mm -hmm. hope that could be able to prevent things from, from es yeah. escalating to that situation, but you well, need the thresholds. So you need to figure out like, well, what's my number? What are the numbers where it's gray? And I don't really have to do anything before right. someone talks to me about it. And before you set those thresholds, you better be doing your coffee and analytics time to be able to understand the patterns. Cause if you just create random defined thresholds, yeah that's also just going to cause tail chasing. It's like, because we already see this happening where people mishear our statement of a thousand units of traffic per community to get yeah. one to two sales from that neighborhood. And they think every neighborhood has to have a thousand, but you can absolutely sell four homes off of 300 website visitors. That's allowed and, and does happen. So 
you have to be spending that time to really know where those things are are, are going to be set. But that that's where a lot of people get got caught off guard last year at this time was they felt so comfortable with the backlog or the sales volume of of spring and summer that even though the numbers were all going down and we were we were saying on this podcast and other places like hey things are 1000% slowing and slowing pretty quickly because people weren't looking at those leading indicators of traffic because everyone was so overwhelmed with the amount of activity that had been going on for the last 2 years most builders really didn't even realize it was happening until like late summer early fall and then they started to freak out too late Correct. Thresholds. All right. Like um, on to the news. First up from Mashable.com, Meta has some new AI personalities. And um, they super cool people. That's intentionally bad grammar. Um, but we've got people who <laughs> look like uh, Jenners and... Parasilton. Oh, is this a Snoop Dogg? I did not realize that was yeah. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Snoop. I don't know who the bottom four are on the right side. I don't know. Well, they're but not they seem all... like great people. Yeah, they're not all celebrities, but I think uh, of the everybody. 15, I think about half of them are. The AI celebrity chatbots are live and they're weird, is the subheadline <laughs> from the article. <laughs> and I, this is That's my last hilarious. intro, and then I'll, I'll let you guys share what you think. But and they're weird. The, from the article, yet another chatbot with a celeb twist. That's right, more chatbots, baby. We were promised flying cars and hoverboards, and instead, we get to talk to bots that can just barely hold a conversation akin to your single worst interaction at a cocktail party. But it looks like a famous person. What what do we think here? This is Amanda. You 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 go first. Friendworthy. Oh, oh yeah. I'm okay. Super good. creeped out by this. <laughs> it's it's depressing. It reminds it me is. of the movie. And if you have time this weekend, you should watch it and you'll understand the reference. The movie is called Her, H-E-R, just the word Her, from 2013. He falls in love with the AI, this guy. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's super bizarre. It's very uncomfortable. You're like, yeah. is this really a scene? What's happening here? Uh, but it's won some awards, but it's 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 definitely in the like eccentric, weird movie category. Mm -hmm. But it's this. Um but at least he falls in love with Scarlett Johansson, who's the voice actor, who is the AI. So, okay, that's that's reasonable. So maybe Meta is onto something. <laughs> Let's try to use celebrities as who you're interacting with. But you still yeah. read it. And you're like, this isn't, okay. real. this isn't a real person. So the, the short answer, even from the online sales world who, you know, we love anything that would potentially allow us to connect with more people. This doesn't hit the mark. Are we in agreement? Yeah. Here? This is a... Agreement. Clear, no. Okay. So <laughs> I think the, the interesting question is, is what led them down this path also wrong? Here's what I mean by that. I watch my wife in particular, and she follows influencers. And I, I just, you know, everyone knows how I feel about the word and the thing and whether we do converter influencers or not, all the, all that stuff. But uh, let's say there's a workout influencer or yeah. last last night I'm watching her use flip through her stories and she's like, Oh, I love this person. And it's just very clearly an ad for some hair serum. And she's like, Oh, I love this. She's so great. I'm like, it says buy now. And she's talking strangely high energy and how much she loves this product. And I go, 
of course she says she loves a product because she's selling you the product. She's making money. And she's like, well, but she designed it. She made it. Like that makes it even more weird because she's talking about how much she loves this product that clearly the Ikea effect, right? I made this. It must be the best thing ever because it has my name. Like I did it. And yet it doesn't matter. She's just enamored with it. Uh, <laughs> so, and every once in a while, I see her actually comment or talk to these people who have hundreds of thousands of followers. And it it gives her this weird high, I think, of like, I just in, interacted with an influencer. I guess somewhat akin to, you know, if yeah. Rich hmm. Barton or somebody on, on Twitter slash X okay. likes a tweet. But that's like, in that scenario for me, I don't expect it. And I don't, it's their reaction to it, not me just talking or adding them. That is the exciting part. It's just like, oh, they 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 read it and responded. There's this weird thing, I think, that younger generations are like, I just, like my kids just would love the idea of interacting with Mr. Beast in the <laughs> smallest way possible. So I, I, I think there's something there that is directionally right, but they, they missed the mark badly. But I think they missed because there's no brand assigned to these people. If we were to be like, okay, the Kardashians have a brand and that's why people want to associate with them. That's why they buy their products. Mark at um, the summit, I forgot his last name, Mark from a thousand watt. You buy that yeah. apparel because it makes you feel part of the club or makes you feel a certain way. So like who we follow also, I think makes us feel a certain way or we get whatever emotion out of following that person, interacting with them, or just interacting, even just engaging with our social media. And that's where Meta's like, I, I feel like they're trying to piggyback that experience of like, oh, I'm interacting with, this feels like Tom Brady. It talks like Tom Brady. But we're like, this isn't Tom Brady. Tom's on a yacht in Miami mm -hmm. doing whatever the heck he wants. He's not, this isn't a bot. So like, it's like, of course this is fake. It feels like you're like tricking me like I'm like a child or something like, and like, that's, that's not the real Elsa at yeah. Disney World. Like, I know that's not her, right? but they do like the four-year-old, the three-year-old, the five-year-old, like they're like, that's Elsa. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. So like, they're <laughs> yeah. trying to trick us like we're like children or something. So I'm like, that's, that's why I think the cringe is. Yeah. It's just, it's obviously fake. Like, and it feels cringy. Mm -hmm. It's a long way to get to that point. <laughs> I think, yeah, the first miss is, is not, not having the real name. So it shows Mr. Beast's likeness, but yeah. his name is Zach. It's, it's almost like right from the get-go, you're looking at a fake coach purse that you know is fake and everyone else will know is fake because it doesn't even say coach, but everything about it looks like a coach purse. It's like, what's, it's got the you're missing the whole point silver. of the essence of the brand, yeah. right? If it was a, if it's a knockoff Makes that sense. no one knows is a knockoff, then, you know, th that, that's one thing, but this is a clear knockoff and yeah, it, yeah, it just doesn't. Not, not good, but I, I do think there's something to wanting to interact with these, these people that we know or feeling like there's interaction, but it's just not even close to the, to the mark. You know, it's fun. Someone's probably going to come up with a, something very similar and they'll use like deep fake technology. And so you could like video chat with Tom Brady and it's just people, thousands of people in a call center that then they could use their face and then they'll just like use deep fake to be like, Oh, I'm actually talking to Tom Brady. Cool. Like, what are you doing? Hey, what's going on? They take his voice and that, that seems more like a fun experience. It's a waste of time and it's not a chat bot, but it's like, look, I talked to Tom Brady, but it's not Tom Brady. 
I mean, there, there are Elvis impersonators and not all of them look like Elvis. So maybe we're completely wrong. That's true. We'll find out. <laughs> it might be gone in a year. All right. Meta. Next up, uh, there is an actual article, but we, we're linking to a Twitter, uh, a, a tweet on, on X. Well, I, I've finally crossed the chasm. I call Meta Meta pretty consistently, but I am having a hard time with X. I agree. Um, gentleman named Alexis who said, big news for ADUs today, accessible dwelling, accessory dwelling units. These are essentially small homes connected or not connected, but in the yard or somehow on property that's for another primary residence um, have now been able, the FHA policy now allows ADU rental income to qualify for mortgages, further cementing their role in the housing market. And in places like California, you know, if you can rent out your ADU for 3,500 bucks a month, and that counts as, uh, you know, rental income, that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, I in terms this of was really neat. Yeah. That's neat. I actually talked about this on a coaching call today. I was like, oh. cause you know, like people are running into this with the high interest rates, affordability, like it's not, it's, it's a condition now. It's not, you know, just an objection. It's a condition. So like, how could you overcome that? And I thought this was like possibly thinking outside the box, like a great opportunity for builders, you know, like they build the customer's house. Maybe they could build a little tiny home too, like Elena money. Was yeah. I mean, about, it's right? actually like, they, <laughs> the construction of an ADU can be folded into new construction financing. So now yeah. it's, it's like, I'm going to build yeah. both these things. Yeah. Um, and then and they it's yeah. 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 That was really, lenders that was really may begin offering borrowed mortgages on properties with ADUs on the new policies effective immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Alexis builds what appears to be ADUs yep. that look really nice. Like they're they like they would fit in a backyard better than a yeah. tiny home looking looking thing. Like they're they, really nice three hundred and fifty thousand dollar probably tiny yeah, house. They're, they're pricey. Um, my first thought, um, I think it's neat, but I'm like, okay, should someone who's, um, buying through an FHA be a landlord and will this, like, what is their rate if they have to use ADU income to qualify? Like, I'm like, does that hold significantly higher risk? Because if it's ever vacant or if it's vacant for X percent, two months out of the, the year, can they make their mortgage if they don't have that income for two months or three months or four months? Or something this so they yeah. can qualify for it or right. maybe they've been paying rent that's actually more than what their new mortgage would be and they're like please just let me do something i'm not even gonna rent that thing out there but my rent now is 5500 a month i'm a finance and i'll be 4400 per month and i'm saying there'll be rental income yeah, yeah. I I, like that th so, there's, so there's there will risk. certainly be unintended consequences from this like one of the comments on here is i have a house with a garage that i want to convert into an adu <laughs> you know, will this help me? And so it might, yeah. And in, and it and it might improve your value. It might lower the value of the primary residence if you don't no longer have a garage. Yeah. So, but I mean, people in California are super excited about this. And in the one, yeah. I don't know if it's this uh, particular change or something else that because I think Cal the state of California also passed a different law related to ADUs. But every individual municipality has to basically opt in or say, yes, that's allowed. And so okay. in the markets, even where this is the, would be the biggest deal because a lot of ADUs already exist in, in California. They just can't qualify. 
um, each individual market. So LA, San Diego, San Francisco, all, each town has to say, yes, that's allowed. And that's going to obviously take time and it won't necessarily be applied everywhere, but super interesting. Next up from TechCrunch, Google's AI-powered search experience can now generate images and write drafts. So this is kind of, uh, the only lead in here from this article is that the trend for sure, you've got folks like ChatGPT um, or OpenAI who are trying to create brand new platforms using LLMs and AI-powered tools. And then the other trend is just integrate those kind of tools within the already standard platforms. An example of this is Adobe. Adobe's like, I see, I see you, Dolly, and I see you. Dis, um, I was gonna say Discord. You use it via Discord, but um, what's the other? The other ones, I I lose, I lose track. Uh, anyway, that's the one I use all the time. So it's crazy. I can't think of it. But they're like, cool, a nice try trying to like, you know, integrate artificial intelligence in images. Uh, we're just going to drop it into Photoshop, Illustrator, and all the tools that real creatives already use. So they don't need your other little silly thing because it's going to just be built into the platform that those experts already use. So this to me is kind of big picture. What Google's doing here is let's just integrate all this right into the core product. But what, what else uh, are your thoughts on this one, Andrew? I'm a fan. I think it's super cool. Um, the Because I, I think all the tools you've mentioned they are not user friendly, like for normal people to use. Yeah, them. having like to learn the average just how to use Discord to 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 use yeah. what is you know the premier uh, generative visual tool, which I can't think of the name of. Is we got to uh, go to Discord first, so it's like it's annoying. Yeah, it's it's not accessible, and this I think that's the way to for the fastest progress is to make it accessible to everybody, um, where there's no login, there's no credits or whatever you have to buy to get it and make it work. I know it's expensive to run these things by Google pushing it. I'm all for that. Cause that will, I think that will push progress on this, this a lot faster for the robots to take over the world. Just kidding. The last, part. <laughs> the last one, um, not I'm all for it. Let's, let's do it. This will help with, um, be easier to make, um, PowerPoints and decks and presentations. This is what I need. Boom. It's yeah. Done. And it's, it's not everything. And they're, they're doing it kind of interesting where the one example in the article, and I saw um, a video on this as well. Like if you do a Halloween table setting search and click images in Google, where you see, you'll see all the normal images, and then you'll just see a box that says, create something new with our generative AI tool. And then you click that, it will create four additional images for you out of thin air. And so it's, it's not like Again, that's trying to incorporate to the to the image search you're already going to, and then it's like if you're not finding exactly what you're looking for, just make it. I think it's I think it's smart. Yeah, I agree. Uh, also, by the way, when you try some terms, that box does not appear. And my other thought is, is there some initial um, scrub there that goes? Is there enough images that we believe would be highly correlative to this? Then we don't even need to show this generative AI option because there's already oh, I can see that. 10,000 really good options. It might only be I'm appearing in less, uh, less popular nice. image searches. Trigger. Yeah. Hmm. Let's play with that. That's fun. All right. Next up, we've got the numbers. We've got mm -hmm. the third quarter yeah. online sales benchmark data. 
We do. Is this is this like a, a world premiere? It is. Release? Yeah. Okay. Hot off the press. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So I prepare these calculations, you know, with the benchmarks every quarter. Um, they call me the nerd over here. <laughs> so anyways, but, like but good numbers. Um, so yeah, compared to quarter two, so benchmarks for quarter three, um, for lead to appointment, we have 40%. So that went down just by 1%. So kind of steady. Um, appointment to sale, 19%, which is down 2% from quarter two. That contribution went up, which was really neat to see. So online sales contribution went up to 48%. Whereas qu quarter two was 46% and quarter one was 45%. So it's steadily oh. increasing, which is very exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing to point out, though, is that leads, they did go down by around 15% lead count from quarter two to quarter three. So I'm going to pick your brain about that. <laughs> so <laughs> why, why do you think lead counts are dropping? And does it even matter? Or tell us what you think. Well, Andrew and, I both, Andrew and I both saw the same uh, tweet from Lance, formerly of Forbes. He just started his own uh, newsletter yeah, on housing data. Yeah. That would be a good um, follow or sign up for if you're if you if you like uh, that kind of nerdy content. But mm -hmm. he just said, "Hey, basically, I crunched the numbers, and October is the least affordable month for housing in the last get ready hundred years." Ooh, least affordable month. We have no problems with affordable. We got no issues here. Right? <laughs> no issues. Uh, We're good. In fact, I think um, this is this is just data that I saw about an hour ago, and I don't have it still pulled up. But I believe the National Association of Realtors just came out with updated data that showed for the f I think for the first time in at least like the last mm, I'm, I'm flying blind here 20, 30 years, there are under four million transactions that are that are currently like an, they call it annualized transactions so they take a data point and they say if it stayed here and was and happened over 12 months this would be the number and it was the lowest that it had been in whatever time frame they were talking about and it was below 4 million um 3.96 i think and so there and, and the other anecdote anecdotal uh piece of the puzzle, Amanda, is a lot of our builders who do highly partner with local real estate professionals. Mm -hmm. It's like we're, and these are major markets, not like top 15 markets in the country. They're calling the top two or three agents in the market that they've had great relationships with. And they're like, Hey, we've got this great thing, or we've got this opportunity. We've got these homes. Mm -hmm. And the response from these, these are the best of the best agents in those markets are that sounds awesome. I have no one to work with. Yeah. I don't have customers wow. to work with. So 15% don't sound too bad. Uh, okay. And the other thing okay. is <laughs> the overall slope, what, what we can see as well yeah. uh, from home builder data and, and other uh, data providers is that the slope of the decline this year is nowhere near as steep as last year. So last okay. year, uh, in this, in the third and fourth quarter, it just dropped almost, actually, almost as severely. This is all transactions used and new, almost mm -hmm. as severely as during the Great Recession. It wasn't starting at a higher high, like that chart. You look at it; it's just like, oh my goodness, uh, down eighty percent, some ridiculous number. But the steepness of the curve is severe, but pretty short. 
this year we didn't ever get as high as last year's highs, but the decline and the, the slope of the decline is more steady and, and slow. So take your poison. Would you rather be down 15% or mm. I bet if you went and looked at the same data uh, last year, third quarter to second quarter, mm -hmm. just my quick guess would be, it'd be 35. Mm. So, you know, that's the thing with percentages is yeah. that higher high probably felt great. Yeah. But the ride down probably felt worse. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. And I'm I love... most interested in the appointment to sale ratio ah. at, at 19%. That's what you said? Yeah. 19%. Yep. That's mm -hmm. still freaking awesome. I agree. Yeah. Down yeah. from 21%, I think, right? Mm -hmm. only... Yeah. So that only, shifted. Only much. 2%. Yeah. 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 And I love these benchmarks because, you know, it's just such a good overall image because, you know, it's, it's all markets. It's, large builders, small builders, established online programs, new programs. So it's just a really great mix to have an overall view. Yeah. Yeah. It's real, real data. Oh, okay. hey, um, something just happened, I think. <laughs> I, I think somewhere in the last hour, we just crossed over officially 25,000 minutes of the podcast, which does Aww. mean, as I posted yesterday, you could listen to Market Proof Marketing Monday <laughs> through Friday for eight hours a day and Thank still you. be able to listen to a fresh new episode for you for over 60 days or wow. over, over two months. Wow. Over two months. You That's will, awesome. you'll see our lives change. It'll be like a sitcom. Like, man, Andrew had two kids here. Now he has three. <laughs> Kevin has a new house. Like all these things that have happened. I, I mean, again, the Ikea effect is real. So it might just be because we made it. But if I ran a marketing department and hired someone who is brand new, I would be tempted to just mandate like yeah, over the next three months, I'll give you three months, but you need to listen to like, just have it in the back background. You don't need smooth jazz. You don't need rock and roll or country. Just listen. I, I know it happened years ago. Just listen to it anyway. <laughs> it might like reprogram their brain. And so if they had something wrong with the brain, maybe it fixes it. There's nothing wrong with it. Maybe there might be something wrong with it then. That'd, yeah. be, uh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Okay. So awesome. we're going to have to make sure we do favorites because we're going to end on a depressing note yeah, on the news favorites. stories here, unfortunately. But uh, mm -hmm. according to redfin.com, homebuyers must earn $115,000. That's obviously household income to afford the typical US home. Mm -hmm. That's $40,000 more than the typical American household actually earns. Hmm. Yeah. So some of you listening are like, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money, but that's not terrible. But when you put in the context of the average household, uh, mm -hmm. brings in $75,000, that's a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of buyers that, that were previously the market are not in the market. Like they are, they cannot participate. That's a better way. They are. They cannot participate in home buying mm -hmm. those people because of that. Yep. So, and um, the typical US home buyers monthly mortgage payment is $2,866 and all time high. Up 20% from a year bad. earlier. That's, that's, so, that's a bit of a mortgage. So crazy. But you know, rates are just a state yeah. of mind. Just okay. state the rate. Yeah, just state it. Like it's not <laughs> permanent. I mean, <laughs> You still might need 2866 for the average, average, but yeah. And I, 
I do, you know, some of the folks that I see posting this stuff, I like, I get it when you're speaking to people within the industry, you're, you're trying to motivate, put things in context, but then there's other people who are within the industry who are clearly talking to just the average person. And you're like, I don't think you come across the way you think you come across here. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, California, by the way, you have to earn at least four hundred thousand dollars. No big deal. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah, uh, Rust Belt buyers need a lease go. income. Detroit, Detroit home buyers only have to earn fifty-two thousand dollars. Well, but it's still a nineteen percent increase from last year. There we go. That's and, and Detroit, you could buy some houses for like nothing because yes, if yes, like ten dollars if you. Yeah. Yeah, they're rural, they by the away. way, because that sounds interesting. There's Japanese, there's homes in Japan that are the same way, uh, and Spain and and other parts of like you buy this home for ten bucks, but before you jump out and say I'm going to become a real estate mogul, um, you have to promise. In Detroit's case, I think you have three years to bring the house up to a certain level of livability, mm-hmm. or you lose it again. So, and it's still they Detroit. don't just want people buying up a bunch of land and doing nothing with it. Amanda, so how does this get you're solved? close to Detroit. Gonna... Should we move to Detroit? I know, but no. but actually, I'm like three hours away. I feel like so. well, you're I've close never to been there, but I am close. Yes, you don't. Yeah. You have no reason to go there. You think yeah, well, I'm an no from Detroit? <laughs> I'm a bigger fan of the west side of Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, generally speaking. Okay, but you didn't. You don't care about that. That's not why you're listening to the show. <laughs> How does affordability get fixed? I think everyone keeps saying the way to fix affordability is just to build more. But I just want to remind everyone that there's still this problem of the price of land. That's not helping things. And it's build more of a certain type of home, which zoning and or uh, voters will not allow. So you either have the problem of not my backyard or zoning or building a bunch of stuff in a place where no one is, which is its own challenge. So not likely to uh, to be yeah, fine and easy. Not in my backyard. Even if manufactured housing takes off like a rocket. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So let's end you? with current Positive. favorites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to be a favorite this time. Uh, Amanda, what do you got? Yeah. Well, I I have really been loving a favorite is is the role of you know coaching. So. I, I have been able to kind of step into the the role full time and it's just been really neat to see the success of clients um, and kind of be with them through the journey of like really establishing their program. Um, Like Candace at Holt Homes, for example, we do the builder shop and um, she was one of the ones that made it all the way through one of the three. And I was like proud coach moment. And it's also just really neat to see their numbers kind of come to life when, when they don't have that before. And then also see them grow, like as they, as you spend time with them. So I've been loving that. And I've also been loving the fall weather. <laughs> so shift in perspective, you know, like I was like, no, oh, I don't want summer to end, but that's the best. Here we are. And the, the leaves are beautiful and I'm enjoying it. So your leaves yeah. change color. That's yeah. Really... <laughs> leaves are changing colors and they're so pretty. <laughs> I'm jealous. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, Mm -hmm. we don't have that down here, but I mean, we, so I'll I'll go. Yeah. I'll say the weather as well. It's been great. (laughs) We're like high seventies, low eighties. 
Wow, that's incredible. Wake up and it's like 60 something, which is, that is amazing. Um, but my real current favorite is, um, this task management tool. So it's not a, you have project management tools, which are fully robust, right? Then you have Mm -hmm. task management, which is usually more appropriate if it's like just your stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. so this is just my stuff because I want it to be simple, straight to the point zero. I need zero resistance to using it, Mm -hmm. which I've struggled to find. So I found this one. It's called tick with a T tick, tick tick.com T I C K T I C K. Um, and what is neat about it is you could type in, um, like I just typed in while we were talking, I don't think anyone caught me. Nope. You don't have to click on anything to set dates. So I was, I typed in proactive threshold report, traffic leads appointments and one chart next Tuesday. And then assigns it to next Tuesday. Like it reads like, I'm still learning yeah. the prompting on it next wow. Tuesday. I think there's other things that do this. Um, this was just, I happened to find this one and it does it and there's like literally nothing on here except for the list of things and then like the name of the list and that next Tuesday, next Monday, tomorrow feature is really nice. Right before the, the, the we restarted the podcast, I had something from uh, Becca and Sarah that I'm going to finish up tomorrow. I just copied that and typed in tomorrow, copied, type in tomorrow. And then yeah. it's on there in like half a second. Like I'm like, this is great. Um, yeah. So I, I, what I found, and I've tried tons of them, like this has no, friction to actually use it or I didn't have to learn it. Um, we use teamwork. There's Monday, there's Asana, click up all these different ones. I'm like, oh, these are so like too much for me to actually want to use it. If there's multiple people involved, I don't think this would be a, a tool for you, but if it's just your things, then I think it's, it's super nice. Definitely. Nice. Awesome. I've been using it for three weeks. So it's made three weeks, which is, yeah, I've never had there that you before. go. Yeah. I'll awesome. take it. What about you? I'll uh, check that out. Yeah. I'll, I just, you reminded me of one that I, I use only for my personal email inbox, but I also put it on um, Melanie's email as well is Sanebox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X. I might've mentioned it before, but it, it has kind of these additional boxes that it, that it creates. Uh, let me, let me pull it up here. Cause I'll just tell you what I actually, so there's a sane black hole. So instead of trying to unsubscribe to things forever and they just keep resubscribing you, you just say, if I get anything from this, just put it here. And then it automatically deletes them over time. But if you've signed up for something where all you want is the Pizza Hut coupon or the Papa John's coupon to be able to reference, you can go in the black hole and find it, mm-hmm. but you never have to see that hit your inbox ever again. Um, yeah, that's, nice. um, that's awesome. Same events is anything, and it just you know crawls the email and, and automatically applies it. And when you move something, it automatically learns. Okay, that's mm-hmm. where that email should, or those kind of cool. email should go. So same events, cool. anything related to an actual date and time, goes into an events folder. Same later is just what it believes are less critical. So if it's not coming from a person but a company, and then same news is any newsletters that you're signed up for, uh, that would be different than. Um, than what I was talking about with the black hole. And then there's saying next month, saying next week. So you can do the same thing. You reply to any email or and put like the, the date range that you want to be reminded. And then my other favorite um, is saying no replies. You can change the default setting, but it, the default is like, if you send an individual email to a person and they don't reply, I think it's within five days, it puts a copy in there. It's just so you see the the notification of, like, do you need to send another reminder of this person? Did you get what you needed or not? Um, it's not that expensive. I think you can buy a bundle for like two or three emails 
for not, for not a lot, but my wife just, I think she signed up for every single email under the sun. And then the school is trying to send you emails. And then it's like, I think it varies. So digital pollution. (laughs) That's right. That's, that is so true. It's um, so it sounds like the cool feature is that you use it and then it learns because of where you put it. You don't have to Mm -hmm. assign it. You just like, I throw it over there, throw it over there. As long as you check those boxes every day and move things around after a day or two, it does a pretty darn good job. And it also will send you a summary email like once a week, like, Hey, we're not certain based upon your behavior. Like if something's continuing to go into mm. saying later, but you're not even reading it, you're just, it's like, are you sure you don't want this to go to the black hole? And you can ignore the summary if you want to, but it tries to hmm. do its best to help you as well. That's pretty cool. Uh, and then my other favorite honest. is the professional builder 40 under 40, mm-hmm. which yeah. uh, Jackie Lipinski, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a whole bunch of people um, that we're not going to make anyone sad by not saying their name, but there's a bunch of other friends of do you convert, uh, that, that won the award as well, but that's a, it's just a, a really great group of people always. And, uh, and this year's no exception, man. Yeah. I'm just looking at the list again. There's even more people than I realized that, uh, that we know are, that like, yeah. we know they're awesome. They definitely Quite deserve to be there. So, yeah, so congrats to everybody on that. And yeah. this year's judges. Oh, look at that. I didn't check that out. The judges this year of who made the class. I don't think they've done this in the past. Uh, It says in the spirit of full transparency. And so you can thank them. Here are the judges. Rebecca McAdoo um, from Garmin Homes, Chris Hartley uh, from K Hopnanian, Ashley Kent from Kent Homes and Will Duderstadt. You guys ever heard of that guy? Oh yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure. VP Chief Marketing Officer, Corporate Marketing at MI Homes here in Columbus. Good job. You guys did a good job because that's the right list. (laughs) All right. That'll do it for this week. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Market Proof Marketing. Can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers? Become a member of our private community, DYC All Access, which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else, access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.doyouconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peake, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.